So I think for a lot of people on the political right, the refrain, you know, where's Hunter, has become uh, more more of, of a joke than anything else, but also a little bit of a rallying cry to the idea of, here is a shady cat. Hunter Biden is a shady cat. And it can't be denied by anybody who's rational. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, always a pleasure to be with you guys. But is he a criminal cat? Has he done things that are clearly illegal? And the answer is, well, yeah. Based on his his own admissions, this is the case. And now there's a question whether the Justice Department is going to engage any level of charges against him. Should they? I also agree the answer is yes. But what is the breakdown? How do you explain this out in a way that gives you the case that clearly, regardless of what the political left may want to decide about pushing away from Hunter Biden, ignoring Hunter Biden. Oh, you're just going after the president's son. It's not just the president's son. We're talking about a grown man here with a history and with stories. And those stories reflect very poorly upon the president. Jim Garrity joins us right now. You catch the morning jolt over at nationalreview.com. He is also the author of Between Two Scorpions, which you can find at amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. His latest, Will the Feds Charge Hunter Biden? Uh, Jim, an absolutely excellent breakdown, going back to some of your past writings from 2019, moving into today, of what it is that we're dealing with with Hunter Biden. But first, let's start with a level of what we can call illegality. What is it that federal prosecutors are looking at with Hunter Biden? And is there a feeling of whether whether or not they will move forward? Sure. This was spurred by a report from CNN that said that federal prosecutors who've been looking at uh, issues surrounding Hunter Biden for now, going on four years, may this is reaching some sort of, you know, uh, hinge point that, that they're close to making a decision. And the discussions have talked about bringing charges that could include alleged tax violations and making a false statement in connection with Biden's purchase of a firearm. Now, this is the one that for several years now, a whole bunch of us have kind of pointed to and said, well, this is, this is the most clear-cut slam-dunk case you could possibly imagine because Hunter Biden himself has confessed this particular crime. Uh, October 2018, uh, Hunter Biden goes to purchase a gun, and there are firearms transaction records that you fill out when you're purchasing a gun. And one of them is a question, are you an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any depressant, stimulant, narcotic drug, or any other controlled substance? Five years earlier, he'd been discharged from the Navy Reserve after testing positive for cocaine. But even beyond that, he had been very clear, you know, that he's been addicted to drugs for, for quite some time. Back in April 2021, he's talking, he's promoting his memoir, and he's talking about how much he struggled with addiction. And he says, going to, smoke, going to the bathroom and smoking crack every 15 minutes. I'm assuming that is hyperbolic, but, you know, the idea that he still had a serious addiction to crack. And in the interview, he said, I got clean close to two years ago. So let's say it's two years ago. That will be April 2019, which means when he filled out this, uh, this you know, form under penalty of perjury in 2018, he was still addicted to crack and still addicted to drugs. So that was a lie, right? That is a felony, you know? Now, are prosecutions for it common? No. In fact, they're pretty rare. But my colleague, Charlie Cook, had gone through and found all kinds of people who've been prosecuted for what seemed like, you know, rinky-dink issue violations of the Firearms Control Act or the National Firearms Act. 
um, using you know stocks and barrels shorter than 18 inches, 16 inches, stuff like that, um, and not you know registering with the government. And he points to people who are now been sentenced to you know 21 months in jail and saying, well, wait a second, this little rinky-dink guy who does not have a, issue, a history of addiction, who was not you know the government did not argue this person was a threat to anyone or anyone else. They're doing nearly two years in prison. Hunter Biden, we've got the thing right here. And oh, by the way, this particular gun was one that his sister-in-law took away from him, threw it into a trash can, apparently according to text messages that were found on that infamous laptop. You know, she was saying, I took it away from you because I don't trust you with it. I think it's not safe for you to have a gun. Now, she threw the gun in the trash can. You should not do that because that is, that's not how a red flag law is supposed to work, so to speak. They went back to get it. It was lost. Thankfully, a homeless uh, person who went through that trash in that area turned it into cops. But the whole thing, like, you know, you know, Hunter Biden is a troubled, troubled guy. And I think that, you know, it, from what the description is there, it sounds like the sister-in-law knew what she was doing. She did, you know, how she disposed of the gun was not wise. But, you know, she had good reason to think that Hunter Biden would either harm himself or harm somebody else. Now, first and, of all, and, think and about I agree how with you about this, if God forbid this sort of thing happened with Donald Trump Jr., I agree with you. Look, you know, what does it say that for four years the prosecutors have been kind of looking at this and hemming and hawing about whether this actually represents a crime and whether they want to press charges? Now, I agree with you on the idea that 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 Hunter Biden clearly was was. People were concerned about him. The drug use is, is real. Uh, while while the, the sister-in-law was was trying to do the right thing, yes, I agree. That isn't how red uh, flag laws work. But the gun conversation is he he lied on a form. You're right. It is cut and dry. But I think for a lot of people, there's a lot of cut and dry to the idea that don't tell us he wasn't talking to his father about business dealings. And it's very obvious that his father was a beneficiary of the business dealings something else you walk down maybe a little harder to prove but i think for a, a lot of people just off the cuff don't tell us that the, that hunter would would travel to wherever come back immediately yeah. have a, a meeting with his father and they didn't talk about his travels overseas that dog won't hunt yeah everything from burisma to i think really the one that probably jumps out at people the most these days are the chinese business partners the right one who gave him that multi-carat diamond that he later said that he lost um, you know, all kinds of things where you just like the intriguing thing is you can find people who were in the Obama administration who looked at this and said, this is deeply troubling. It's not good for the vice president's son to be associating with these people. All of them look like scam artists who want to uh, take advantage of the president's son, who want to take advantage of the Biden family name. Um, back when Hunter Biden decided to become a, a painter, I remember he started selling his paintings for extraordinarily large sums. Uh, Walter Schaub, who had been the head of the Office of Government Ethics in the Obama administration, he said, look, that's $6.5 million going to the president's son just for being the president's son, not for being an artist, and I just think that's absolutely appalling. These are Obama officials who are saying, no, this stinks to high heaven. This is clearly backdoor bribery. This is not something we should be standing for. And what's really intriguing is the New Yorker, back in the, you know, during the 2020 campaign, the New Yorker did a fantastic in-depth story of Hunter Biden, had an interview with him, went through all kinds of this stuff. And it sounds like there were a bunch of Obama officials who could see this, who could see Biden. Hunter Biden was an extraordinarily troubled individual. And it seemed like every sleazy, skeevy, probably criminal guy in the world was targeting him to, you know, purchase access to the vice president. 
And they try to bring this up to Joe Biden, and Joe Biden would just get really angry at him and just yell at him. And we saw that during the 2020 campaign, when Biden would just fly off the handle and start yelling at Savannah Guthrie. And you know, in a way, there was this really disturbing trend in which, you know, if you, if you say, you know, people were like, I don't think the Obama officials who were bringing this up to Biden, I don't think they hated Hunter Biden. I don't think they were being unfair. I think they were deeply concerned about Hunter Biden, also concerned about Joe Biden and his reputation, all concerned about, about the Obama administration and its reputation. But Hunter, but Joe Biden would just kind of get really angry and say, how dare you say that about my son? And he was just being this, trans, this clear, it strikes me as a clear case of denial. And when I wrapped up the uh, morning jolt yesterday, Tony, I was trying to lay out, like, particularly when it comes to addiction, but I think there's all kinds of, of you know, issues this relates to. If someone you love is making bad decisions, you kind of need to let them suffer the consequences of those decisions. If you're constantly rushing in to save him, and it certainly seems like that's what being a Biden has done to Hunter Biden. Because anybody else, you know, you're that reckless with the gun, they're going to press charges. Anybody else, that many issues with uh, cocaine, you're going to press charges. You know, Hunter Biden's never ends up in jail. Nobody's ever pressed charges. That, you know, that glares, that's a glaring sign that he's been protected by his family name for a really long time. And in the end, because he never suffered those consequences, it certainly sounds like he's just gotten worse and worse and worse. Whereas earlier, if he'd suffered some of those bad consequences, maybe it would have you know, altered the direction of his life. So it's really a very tragic tale in all of this. But there's also this glaring case of, look, there is this extraordinary case. It certainly looks like corruption. It certainly looks like uh, people who are trying to use Hunter Biden as a way of influencing federal policy. And, uh, you know, everybody kind of averts their eyes because it's embarrassing to the Biden family. Talking to Jim Garrity of National Review, nationalreview.com. The question now is, where does this go from here? You know, your, your, your argument about, I shouldn't say argument, lack of a better word, argument, about addiction and and having a, a some feel for for hunter biden it, it that can happen simultaneously with oh by the way he committed a crime and he has to deal with 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 the results of that biden's argument and we've talked about this before biden's response being uh the, this snapping we see this from biden all the time and and it's it's nice to actually see people starting to remove this idea of oh he's just grandfatherly oh it's just uncle joe no he's a nasty rude cat and has a long history of being a nasty rude cat certainly of uh, being uh an, an elitist being a snob talking down to people we can go back to the to the confirmation hearing of of, of justice thomas and 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 others uh but does does any of that now change the what comes next is there a belief that the justice department will move forward with any of this is merrick garland the guy as attorney general who is willing to go down this road well you like to think that uh, merrick garland would say I'm going to recuse. I'm not going to weigh in. I'm certainly not going to weigh in to argue against char pressing charges against the president's son because that would look like uh, political bias interfering with the justice system. And you know, both Merrick Garland and Joe Biden like to pat themselves on the back about how they don't do that sort of thing. Um, this technically would be a decision up to the U.S. attorney in Delaware. Uh, I believe it's David Weiss is his name. And you, you know, look as, as I laid out. You know, certainly on the gun issue, this looks like a uh, slam dunk. And certainly uh, there are all kinds of issues about whether he reported, like, you know, when somebody gives you a multi-carat diamond, a foreign Chinese businessman, you know, you do have to pay taxes on the value of, the, of a gift of that sum. And did Hunter Biden do that sort of thing? Like some of these things seem like, you know, either he did or he didn't. 
And if he didn't, that seems like a you know, clear violation of campaign finance, tax, and foreign lo- lobbying laws. You know, in a way, when they, the story is saying prosecutors have narrowed their focus to, gun, to the gun-related charge and tax charges, those actually seem like the least politically charged out of all the accusations and, and problems there. Um, but then, you know, and then the other thing is that right before an election, or every, every U.S. attorney general you know, puts out this kind of standard memo that is, don't go after someone, or, or be very careful if you're going to go press charges against a political figure shortly before the election. This actually predates Comey and the Hillary Clinton stuff. Pretty much every attorney general every you know, two to four years issues this memo to U.S. attorneys, basically saying, and the subtext is don't create political headaches for us unless you absolutely have you know, a, a rock-solid, indisputable case. case, and it just happened to be ready to go ahead at that time. You can make an argument that an indictment of Hunter Biden would really hurt, hurt Democrats in the midterms. I think they're already about as hurt as they, they possibly can get. I don't think it actually would make that much, but it would be one more embarrassing headline for the Democrats. Oh, and if, you know, Republicans have said that if they take control of the House and, and Senate or both, they're going to hold all kinds of hearings on this sort of stuff. I, have a, I do kind of wonder if Biden announces I'm not running for another term, does the appetite for an investigation into this start to wane a little bit? Um, you know, Republicans will be focusing on Kamala Harris or whoever the next Democratic nominee is going to be. Um, but, you know, but by and large, it's very if they if they press charges right after the election, they could say, well, we didn't want to do it during the election. Look like we were trying to, you know, influence the outcome of the election. But it's very hard to imagine a scenario that the Justice Department could spend the better part of four years looking at all this in which Hunter Biden had literally confessed to, you know, uh, lying on that form and just shrugging and saying, eh, there's just not enough of a strong enough case here. I think it's funny that you think that Kamala Harris is going to be the nominee. I, I, I'll i find that the hilarious part of that. Before I let you go, uh, Jim Garrity, uh, I, I did it yesterday. I watched two full hours of the January 6th hearing. Two full hours of my life I cannot get back. And I made the argument this morning on my, on my morning show that this is, this is stuff we knew that Trump did not act knowing the Capitol was, was under attack, and that is the, the, the way to describe it. There was a riot at the Capitol. Uh, he did not react when he knew that uh, they felt that Vice President Mike Pence was in danger, which I think was a very rational thing for them uh, to think. And it looks really bad for Donald Trump, but that's been the story since it happened. We knew that soon thereafter, that people like Ivanka Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram from Fox, uh, Brian Kilmeade and others were, were texting Mark Meadows, the then chief of staff, saying, do something about this. Was there anything about last night's hearing that's going to somehow move America? And does any of this bring us any closer to the Democrats' dream of, well, what is their dream at this point? Yeah. So I, I agree with a lot of your assessment of the January 6th uh, committee, Tony, that a lot of this time I felt like, you know, like the little details, Trump throwing a plate of spaghetti on the wall. Like, OK, we didn't know that stuff, but I don't think it really dramatically alters our understanding of the events surrounding January 6th. Like we we watched a lot of it happen. Last night was going to be about what the president was doing during that time period. And he was away from the camera. And so we're like, OK, we'll get some more details about that. And I thought the one part that did I did find intriguing and wrote about in today's Morning Jolt was the video of the outtakes of the speech he delivered January 7th. And the fact that he did kept saying, I don't want to say the election is over. I think that's pretty interesting. I think that's a little bit of a, you know, it, it confirms what we all kind of strongly suspected. But like literally, even after the January 6th riot, 
Trump couldn't say the election was over. Now, he didn't say, you know, my, you know, my fight is over or my effort in American politics. He meant the 2020 election after Congress had certified the votes in his mind still wasn't over. Right? That, that's a man who's like lost touch with reality. So that was kind of interesting. I do think, though, my, a couple a long while ago, I reached the point of like, OK, we've seen all this stuff, a lot of this stuff. We, we, we know the gist. We know the overall thing. Merrick Garland, either indict him or don't. You know, what, what, you know, you do, you know what, or get off the pot. This is, you know, it's been a year and a half now. We all kind of know the gist of it. We know the argument, because I have a very tough time believing that Donald Trump, you know, the, the way the Democrats characterized it, led an insurrection against his own government, attacked American democracy, assaulted the legislative branch and violated the Constitution. But he didn't break any laws while he did it, right? I mean, this is very tough to believe you could do all that and not violate a U.S. law. So my attitude is indict him or don't indict him, right? But one, or, one way or the other, I feel like we've been going around in circles with this for quite some time. That having been said, I think so, – I don't know, but I can't speak for the Democrats on the commission. I think that Liz Cheney, for example, like she knows she's losing her primary. She, she doesn't care about that. That's she's obvious. Basic. She doesn't care about that. Jim, I'm up against it. We're going to talk more in the future. Jim Garrity, nationalreview.com. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz.